Hey, this is Mindful Mostly. It's the show for those of us who are mindful most of the time. We talk wellness, entrepreneurship, girl stuff, spirituality, all in the most down-to-earth way possible. I'm Andrea Collins. Question for you. Have you sabotaged yourself? Oh, I'm sure you have at some point in the past, or maybe many points. I hate to say it, but maybe the only thing holding you back is you. Oh, we're gonna find out today. Because Dr. Judy Ho is on the show. She is a clinical and forensic psychologist and co-host of CBS's show, Face the Truth with Vivica A. Fox, yes. She's gonna tell us how to get out of your own damn way. Her book is out, it's called Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Ways to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Way. And actually, you can score yourself a copy of that today. I have a couple copies to give away. You have two options. If you share this episode on Instagram, the handle is at mindfulmostly, you are instantly qualified. Your other option is to leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. Take a screenshot of it and then just send it to me quickly at andreatmindfulmostly.com. And you've also instantly entered and you could get that book right on your doorstep. So today, Dr. Ho is going to talk to us about modifying your thoughts and behaviors to prevent self-sabotage, unlocking your willpower to stop the cycle, and identifying your damn triggers. But first, there's two things I want to tell you. I have created the dopest magnetism session. This is a 10-minute audio capsule that will help you recharge your manifesting power. And it is so good, if I do say so myself. You press play, and you're guided through a powerful experience that literally recharges your magnetism. Okay, so what is magnetism? The energetics behind being completely and utterly your whole authentic self and literally having a pull like a magnet when it comes to bringing your manifestations towards you. When you are in a magnetic state, your energy to manifest is strongest and this magnetism session can help get you there. You can grab it at mindfulmostly.com. Next thing I wanted to mention, dudes, I'm about to have a baby. I'm due in less than two weeks. Finally, we have most of our stuff together. Thanks to Bye Bye Baby. Steve and I had baby day last weekend and um, we went to the store. We went to Bye Bye Baby and we were like, okay, we are not leaving here without a car seat, a stroller, a bassinet, and who the hell knows what else we need? There are so many choices. We cleaned up, actually. It felt so good to have it all done. And we couldn't have done it without our in-store consultant, Donique, who was helping us the entire time, honestly. She was like our coach. She was like, you got this, guys. Okay, next, let's do the stroller. We got it all done. Guys, there's a lot of options out there. If you have a kid and you've chosen all this stuff before, you know. If you don't, oh, get ready. 
That's why going to a place like Bye Bye Baby is great because they've got um, tons of different uh, selection. They've got great price points of all price points. You know, you want to run with your stroller. You want to do squats with your stroller. They've got them all. And now, you know, we kind of feel like we have this parenting stuff figured out. Eye roll. We shall see. All right. Let's get to Dr. Judy Ho. When it comes to self-sabotage, one thing that I was thinking about this topic and I was thinking self-sabotage is hard to recognize in yourself because you don't notice when you're doing it per se. You may notice that you've failed at whatever it is that you wanted to achieve, um, that you kind of gave up or it's not working for you anymore. But like actually figuring out what the trigger was is a whole nother thing. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, oftentimes people will use this term self-sabotage in their common language. They'll say things like, well, I just sabotage myself or that's totally self-sabotage. But I find that for many people, the conversation doesn't get much further than that. There's sort of this recognition that this might be a problem, that somebody might be getting in their own way and unable to achieve whatever goal it is that they're setting out to achieve. But then there isn't sort of the analysis of where does this come from and why can't I wipe it out once and for all. And that's really what my book is about, is how to teach people not only to identify, yes, this is self-sabotage, but to uncover the causes of that self-sabotage and then have a practical set of tools to be able to overcome it. When it comes to self-sabotage, do you think it's something that's been ingrained in us since childhood? Like, do I always self, or like, can it start later in life? Like, when do we start to... Uh, sort of experience these sabotaging rituals in our lives that we don't notice? Where does it come from? Well, it's really interesting because I talk about uh, self-sabotage as a universal phenomenon, and it's because there are biological roots to it for everyone, but it doesn't actually manifest until you start to have experiences, your personality traits start to emerge and you start to develop certain beliefs about yourself. So breaking that down a little bit, the part of it that's universal is that human beings have sort of two major drives so that we can survive. One major drive is to attain rewards, as much rewards as you can, whether that's food, sex, social rewards, all of that would count in terms of making sure that you get enough rewards so that you can continue to thrive. But the second opposing, sometimes opposing factor here is avoiding threats. So you want to attain rewards. You want to take some risks that you can reach higher and get to your goals. But at the same time, you have to avoid anything that could threaten your survival. And for human beings, survival doesn't just mean physical survival of your body. It also means emotional and psychological survival. And our brain has not evolved to the point to distinguish between emotional and physical survival. So the stop, the self-sabotage switch gets turned on when overwhelmingly in one area of our lives, we end up flipping the switch so that we amplify this idea of avoiding threat much more so than attaining rewards. And so when that happens, you stop taking risks, you become extremely self-protective and you start to hold yourself back. So that's the part that's universal. So we're all wired 
to self-sabotage, even though our brain is actually trying to do a good thing, which is it's trying to protect us. Now, through our development, that particular universal phenomenon gets amplified and play out more when you start to develop certain beliefs about yourself. Maybe certain experiences teach you to not go forward too strongly and that you have to tread lightly. Perhaps there's a lower sense of self-esteem. And so I put together sort of this acronym to help us remember what kinds of experiences could contribute to this sabotage manifesting. So the acronym is called LIFE. So L stands for low or shaky self-concept. At some point in your childhood experience, or maybe even your teenage or early adulthood experience, you developed sort of a shaky self-concept. So you're not quite sure of yourself, and that's why that sort of threat switch gets turned on more so than others. Right. So that's a, I find that really interesting. So the people who know themselves the best Mm -hmm. are the ones that probably experience the most success in life. Yes, absolutely. And I think that that's, you know, that's a big part of it. It's like, you know, how much introspection should we do? And is there a balance? And I think you do need to know yourself. And oftentimes when people don't engage in that process, they end up avoiding a lot of things and then they don't have enough self-reflection to really start to modify the behaviors that aren't working for them. And so this whole low self-concept thing is a big one. The next part of the acronym is I, which is internalized beliefs. And so sometimes we internalize beliefs from childhood that we've learned from watching our parents or other important adults. If your mom was also sort of a nervous Nelly and didn't step forward, you know, as strongly or kind of showed you that the world was kind of a dangerous place, then you might adopt that sort of belief for yourself. And then as an adult, you might apply that also. And F stands for fear of the unknown. So a lot of people do have a fear of the unknown. And, you know, human beings in general don't like change, but people exist on a continuum. Certain personalities, they don't mind change quite as much. But other ones, when you can't see the finish line and when you can't see exactly how you're going to get there, sometimes it stops them from even engaging in the steps to get there in the first place. And finally, the last part of the acronym is E for excessive need for control. So again, all human beings, we all want some level of control. But again, personalities exist on a continuum. Some people need more control than others. And so with goals that they can't fully control, or at least there's that perceived lack of control, they're not going to be willing to take those risks. And I see this happen most often in things like romantic relationships, because if you think about a romantic relationship, that's definitely an area in which you don't have full control of what's going to happen. There's another person that's involved. It's an intimate relationship. You can't control how much that person's going to love you or want to move the relationship forward. And I find a lot of successful people will sometimes hold themselves back in romantic relationships, whereas in their career, they're thriving. And it's because they perceive their career to be much more controllable than an intimate relationship. Right. So they feel like they're in control. They can be confident about that and they won't get rejected because they're fully able to um, sort of guide the way all of those transactions go. But when it's dating, like you said, it's completely different. That one always confuses me, though, because in the sense that like, okay, let's say I really liked a guy. Obviously, I want to see where it goes, whereas some people you're saying would just be like, no, I don't want to get hurt, so I'm going to just nip this in the bud, right? 
so that's one way that it can manifest. Absolutely. Where, you know what? I I'm too, I'm so already starting to feel shaky about this. I'm not sure where it's going to go. So I'm going to cut it off. I'm going to do something. And sometimes it's not even really conscious, but you know, they start to distance themselves from the person. Maybe they even act out against the person, like start an argument for no reason to try to push that person away. That's definitely one manifestation. And then the other manifestation that I see is that people pick what we would maybe colloquially call a quote unquote safe partner. So somebody who they can't perceive hurting them, somebody who maybe isn't, for example, as successful or as outspoken or as outgoing as themselves, because somehow they perceive that to be sort of a, a means of control. Well, if this person is characteristically weaker than me, then maybe I can control how this relationship goes. Maybe I can tell them what to do and they'll just listen to me. And of course, that never really works out the way that you think it might. And then if that person leaves you, it actually is such a bigger detriment than to your self-esteem because somehow you've picked this partner that's quote unquote safe and they leave you anyway at the end of things. And then it makes you really question, well, what happened here? And Am I really who I thought I was? And so I can see that sometimes people get really discouraged after after that kind of a relationship fallout. Yeah, letting your guard down too would be one. Like I think a lot of people, like us women, you know, like we go through kind of the tough time dating sometimes, especially this day and age when there's so many options out there and you're going on a bunch of dates and like the ones you like don't seem to like you, but the ones that you don't like love you. You know, it's like, it's right. a tough world out there. Um, so I think that uh, in a lot of situations, like women kind of keep their guard up a little bit too much and men too. Whereas it's like, you got to let that down or you're not going to get to that next intimate level with somebody. And that makes me think of what you said, um, the letter I stood for, which was, um, which was internal reflection. Was that what it was? Oh, internalized beliefs. Yes. Internalized beliefs. Okay. And then, so there's that. And then there's also, let's say you're doing something in your professional life or your personal life and you don't notice it but your friends do. Like, I think friends need to point out someone's self-sabotaging behavior as well to them. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, when somebody is in a good relationship, a good friendship, in, in some ways you want the best for your friends. And even if it's uncomfortable, you should start that conversation, right? You should be the person to say, hey, do you realize what you're doing here? And I think that most of us, I think we feel more comfortable maybe pointing it out in another person. But then when somebody else, even somebody who loves us and knows us very well, points it out in ourselves, we don't necessarily want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, you don't want to take your own medicine, even though you actually see it happening in someone else. And, and actually, this is a lot of um, the people that I've worked with, they'll say, you know, I actually started pointing out these sort of self-sabotaging behaviors in my sister, my friend, my colleague, my partner, and then realize, wait, I think I might be doing some of this myself. Um, and then that kind of discomfort that it creates once you recognize that is what kind of sprung them into action. Like, I really need to make this change. So what's one thing we can start doing tomorrow to start determining what and how we self-sabotage in our lives? So in my book, I talk a little bit about sort of like the common self-sabotage triggers. And I really you know, I really advocate that people take a self-assessment um, because there is sort of a set of common self-sabotage triggers that I think if we kind of just 
sat down and reflected a little bit, we can all identify. So in my book, there's sort of like a short quiz that gives you different scenarios to identify some of the six most common self-sabotaging triggers. And this is all has to do with the way that we think about something. So really it all goes back to thoughts because when people say I have an overwhelming emotion, I didn't know where it came from. The interesting thing is that at least in cognitive behavioral theory, what we propose is that emotions don't just come out of the blue. There was a thought that preceded it, but you just didn't know what that thought was because half the time we're just going around. We have 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. We certainly don't pay attention to most of them. And it's really about kind of fine tuning your attention to these thoughts so that you can see what led you down a path of negative emotions and the behaviors that come from that. So one of the most common self-sabotage triggers is black and white thinking. So black and white thinking means that there's no shades of gray. Everything's either all good or all bad. And when that happens, people will engage in self-sabotage activity. A really good example of this would be somebody who's decided to be on a healthy way of eating. And that whatever, they went to a party and whoops, they ate a whole plate of dessert. And they get home and they feel totally ashamed of themselves. And they say, you know what, forget it. I've completely blown my diet. I might as well eat the five cookies that are in my fridge right now. And then I'm going to eat the chocolate bars too, because I just messed up. Right. So that's the kind of thing that black and white thinking can lead to, you know, where you say, well, I've already messed up. So who cares? You know, it's not like, okay, let me just start now. You know, I shouldn't probably have eaten a whole plate of dessert, but I can start now and, and we can kind of get back on track. They end up just kind of going off the deep end with their behaviors because they just kind of think, well, I've already already lost and forget it. You know, I'll just start again next month or something like that. And, and that type of thing will lead to you not being able to meet your goal over and over and over again and reinforce, you know, some of those life things that we talked about. Like if there is an internalized belief that I can never do this, I can't ever reach my goals. Something like this would just reinforce that and make that belief stronger so that you're even more likely to sabotage at a later time. Right. I would imagine it would be a good exercise to like sit down with yourself and say, okay, how did I self-sabotage myself in the past six months? Write those yeah. things down and then beside each one, write, where did that come from? You know, like try to figure out like, you know, is it because I feel um, uncomfortable in my own skin because I haven't been able to go to the gym as much? And then I think probably in working through all of that, you can say, okay, well, I'll feel better about all of this if I can just do X, Y, Z, and then you take action towards those steps. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, those are great suggestions. And I think that people don't do that enough, right? Because self-reflection is actually not that fun of an activity. No. If you're doing it right. <laughs> it's not going to be happy rainbows and, you know, it's just not going to be like that. But I always tell people it gets slightly worse before it gets better, right? So you kind of have to be willing to kind of sit with that discomfort because, you know, one of these other very common self-sabotage triggers aside from sort of this black and white thinking is shoulds. And shoulds are sort of a, a, a kind of a, a concept where we're constantly sort of making rules for ourselves, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, what we have to do. And how much of it is really what you have to do and how much of it is society or like what you believe you have to do because of what you see other people doing or perhaps your parents are telling you you need to do it or good friends. And that can really kind of 
you know, lead down a path of self-sabotage too, because if it's not your goal, if it's not something that's rooted in your values and, and what you care about, you are going to self-sabotage because the motivation isn't there. The drive isn't there. And yet you will still utilize that to beat yourself up. So then when you don't reach the goal, then you say, what's wrong with me? I should have been better by now. How come everybody else can do this? And, and so I think if you don't get to the root of that, like you were saying, you know, sitting down, having that self-reflection, why am I doing this? then you're never going to be able to nip it in the bud because you kind of keep your sort of thoughts about this stuff at the surface and you just keep thinking about why you haven't been able to achieve it instead of really understanding that the underlying issue is that perhaps it's not your goal and perhaps you need to adjust that goal. Right. Oh my God. It's like the entire self-sabotage onion. There's just so many layers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's why people, you know, they kind of throw up their hands and say, well, I sabotage myself. Goodbye. Because it's really not that fun to peel back the onion. And I, and when I talk to my uh, patients, friends, colleagues about this, they're like, this, this, this is not very fun. I'm like, of course, it's not fun in the beginning. But then when you start to make changes, then that's awesome. And I think what happens is a lot of people start to peel back the onion and then they're like, oh, like this is terrible. And then they run away from the onion. But then, you know, the onion, if you can get past the, the pain of peeling it back, then, you know, you get to like cook a delicious stew, make some delicious <laughs> food, right? And so you got to you gotta hang in there a little bit longer so that you can actually reap the benefits of all of that self-reflection. We just figured out the best analogy, I have to say. I know. <laughs> A food analogy. It's always good. Add that to the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. <laughs> so what do you think? You think it's you that's your problem? <laughs> it's a harsh realization when you come to that conclusion, hey? Thank you, Dr. Judy Ho. Like I was saying before, if you want to get your hands on a copy of her new book, Stop Self-Sabotage, Six Ways to Unlock Your True Motivation, Harness Your Willpower, and Get Out of Your Own Damn Way, uh, you can do that by reviewing uh, the podcast on iTunes, taking a screenshot, and sending it to me at Andrea at MindfulMostly.com, or you can share this episode on Instagram. The handle is at MindfulMostly. You guys couple episodes to go and then honestly I'm going to take a little break because um, shit's going to hit me. Um, but the next episode is going to be all about magnetism and manifesting. I feel like it's a really good time of year for it. In the meantime, if you want to get your hands on that magnetism session, this is a tool to help you bring into your life everything you desire. It's cool. You just press play, you do it a few times a week and boom, it's happening. You can grab it right now at mindfulmostly.com. Okay, I'll talk to you next episode.